one place where we are guaranteed to always know the truth, be told the truth, and that is your word, what you have said to us. So I pray we would focus on it today. In Christ's name, amen. You know, folks, there is a spirit that hovers at times over every home on planet Earth. And in a moment's time, it can tell you cause your blood pressure to skyrocket and cause your courage to drop. Uh, if the shock of it's strong enough, the blood can almost be completely cut off to your brain momentarily and cause you to even faint. Uh, also, another uh, thing that happens is the blood flow to the extremities, the lower extremities of the body, can actually be hindered and you get something known as cold feet. Now, this mysterious monster can even prove to be fatal. Uh, medical science has proven that it can cause the cardiovascular muscles to react and contract in such a way that can actually cause heart failure. So a person can literally be scared to death. Now, what is this silent, unseen, deadly enemy that has no favorites, knows no friends, gives no quarter, and has no mercy? It's the sinister minister of fear. And we have witnessed the results of this monster the past week in our nation. Take your Bibles. I'm getting a ringing, guys. Huh? Which one? It's on, man. Okay. How about now? Is it still ringing? It could just possibly be my ears ringing. We good? Alright, everybody good? Outstanding. As I said, we have experienced the results of this monster of fear over the past week. Now, I want to use one verse this morning. I'm going to preach a long time. This is not the message I had planned, of course, for this morning, but it changed last night. So I want to share this with you. Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, one verse, verse 7. Paul writing to a, a young preacher, his young protege, his son in the faith. Timothy was having a little bit of trouble with fear. So Paul writes to him. I want to take this one verse out of this text here, verse 7. And he tells Timothy, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, folks, I'm going to be honest with you. I would be remiss if I did not caution you that not all fear is necessarily bad. I mean, uh, some fear uh, is not only good, some fear is godly. Would you agree with that? You know, I guess one of the most famous quotes in presidential history was from Franklin D. Roosevelt when he made this statement. He said, uh, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Now, that is a great statement, Right? The only problem is that it's just not true, is it? I mean, as long as we've got spiders and snakes and murderers and hurricanes and terrorists and criminals and disease and sickness, there's always potential for fear. Even Jesus taught us to fear. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, He said, Don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. He said, Instead, fear Him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. 
The Bible also teaches us that fear is not always foolish. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 reminds us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So folks, there is such a fear, a type of fear, that's both healthy and there's a type of fear that's holy. I mean, a doctor, I want a doctor that should fear giving his patient the wrong medication or making the wrong diagnosis lest he kill his patient. I mean, uh, uh, I think about Steve Goodman, electrician. He ought to have a certain amount of fear with what he's working with so it doesn't cost him his life. I think about an airplane pilot. He sees the storm coming up. He ought to have some, a certain amount, a certain type of fear to know the best thing to do is to avoid that storm instead of flying through it. Avoid the storm. Don't crash your plane and kill you and everybody on board. But listen, that's not the type of fear that I want to talk to you about this morning. You see, there is also a spirit of fear that is depressing. There's a spirit of fear that is deceptive, that is destructive, that is debilitating. It's the type of fear that starves your faith and feeds you doubt. It's the type of fear that Peter experienced on the Sea of Galilee in Matthew chapter 14. You remember that story? They're on the Sea of Galilee in a boat and there's a storm and he looks out and there's Jesus walking on the water coming toward the boat. You remember what Peter said? Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to you and I'll come to you. Jesus said, come on. Get out of the boat, Peter. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the waves. Everything was great until what? He took his eyes off Jesus and started looking at the storm around him and he began to sink. And he said, Lord, help me. I'm perishing. Jesus pulled him up and said, oh, son, you have little faith. Folks, listen to me. The fear that I'm talking about this morning is a fear that looks at the storm and forgets the Savior. Fear is... This fear that we're looking at this morning is unhealthy, it's unholy. Eventually it will consume you and it will destroy you. That's the kind of fear Paul's talking about in the verse I read just a few moments ago. The first thing that I want you to understand this morning is the fact of fear. Now what I mean by that is, it goes without saying, fear is not always simply a figment of your imagination. Now I know I had great parents, I'm sure you did too. Did your parents ever tell you, now stop that, there's nothing to be scared of. When you're a kid and it's dark, there's a whole lot of things you can think to be scared of. So a lot of times, fear is not something that's just, again, a figment of our imagination. It's real. The Greek word for fear is the word phobos. And actually, psychiatrists and doctors tell us there are over 700 different kinds of phobias. For example, uh, acrophobia, fear of high places, claustrophobia, fear of uh, confined spaces, ergophobia, fear of work, demophobia, fear of crowds. I, I know many folks in Baptist churches have platophobia. That's fear of offering plates. Uh, there's even, listen, there's even a phobophobia, fear of fear itself. But folks, even though, and and let me be clear on this this morning, even though you may not struggle with phobias, we all of us still struggle with fears every day of one type or another. I mean, every college student I've ever heard of that, well, that cared about being in college, uh, they had some fear over the word examination. I mean, folks, there are business people every day who fear the economy turning bad. There are people around the globe who live every day with the fear of war and and international conflict. So fear is simply part of everyday life. But even though it's part of everyday life, it should not control us. Second thing I want you to think about is the force of fear. Fear is one of the most powerful 
human emotions there is. And I want you to listen carefully for the next few minutes. Let me share with you how fear can affect both mind and body. First off, fear victimizes. Fear is a force that can dominate anyone. I think at times we get the idea that people who have fear, they're, they're weak or they're meek people affected by fear. Do you realize it affects the rich and the famous? Just like us normal folks. There was a guy years ago by the name of Howard Hughes. Some of y'all may remember reading about him. He was the wealthiest man in the world when he was alive. He went through four boxes of Kleenexes each and every day, wiping off everything before he touched it. He was scared to death of germs. Uh, Many of you know the name Alfred Hitchcock, the master of suspense. Do you realize he was terrified of police officers? Uh, Many of you know the name uh, Evil Knievel. Remember the stunt motorcycle rider? He broke every bone in his body doing stunts on motorcycles, and he was deathly afraid to step on an airplane. Yeah. Fear, fear is a force that can dominate again anybody, folks. It also affects the powerful. Joseph Stalin, who was uh, you know, the leader of the Soviet Union from the 30s to the 50s, he was so concerned about being poisoned or being murdered in his sleep, he had eight different bedrooms that were designed like bank vaults. That he could go into and lock up and nobody could get in. And nobody knew from one night to the next what bedroom he was sleeping in. Uh, Tsar Tsar Alexander of Russia, considered to be one of the the great leaders of Russia. He was, uh, you know, the, the bear from Russia. But he was scared to death to walk across a bridge. I remember reading the history, uh, someone had said about Julius Caesar, that he made a remark one time, he said, even the shouts of my enemies are music to my ears. But he suffered from brontophobia. You know what that is? Fear of thunder. Fear of thunder. Even the battlefield, if a thunder clapped, he would look for somewhere to hide. I remember reading a story about a guy who had a morbid fear of thunder, so he went to see the psychiatrist who treated phobias like this, and that psychiatrist said, are you kidding me? He said, sir, I'm ashamed of you. A man at your age scared of thunder? That is absolutely silly. Just think of it as a drum roll of the symphony of life. The man said, will that cure my phobia? The doc said, well, if it don't, do what I do. The man said, what do you do? He said, I stuff cotton in my ears. I get under the bed. I get in the fetal position. And I sing, Mary had a little lamb at the top of my lungs. I'm going to say it again. Fear victimizes. It can dominate us. It can affect those, and I want you to listen. You're a Christian, listen to me. It can affect those who are spiritual and have a close walk with the Lord as well. <clears throat> Evidently, again, Timothy had to fight fear. He, he was simply a naturally timid man. That's one of the reasons Paul's writing this letter to him. But Paul also wrote to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 16.10. He said, when Timothy comes to you, see that he may be with you without fear. So if you've been a victim of fear or even now a victim of fear, you're not alone. It can victimize you. Number two, fear can also neutralize you. This world, and especially right now, folks, is filled with people whose lives are strangled by the boa constrictor of fear. It's choking them to the point they can't even function. They're afraid to do anything. I saw uh, one of the girls show me a picture of somebody shopping, probably Walmart, and uh, they had on a Tyvek suit. It looked like a crime clean crew. And I thought, are you kidding me? People are just, folks, they're neutralized because of fear. How many of you remember the parable in Matthew chapter 25? Jesus talks about the talents and about the three men. They were given different talents to invest for their master. And one of those men... 
men. He didn't invest at all. What did he do? He buried it in the ground. Do you remember the reason he gave why he didn't invest for the master? Because he said, I was scared. I was afraid. Now, I want you to understand, fear also not only neutralizes you, it monopolizes. This is the way fear works. Now, listen to me. It begins to dominate your thought process. And when it dominates your thoughts, then it will begin to dominate your actions. Because your actions are simply the results of your thoughts. And when it dominates your actions, at that point, that fear becomes a phobia and begins to dominate every aspect of your life. And we have seen that happen very rapidly over the past week here in America. Now, I know some of you are saying, Preacher, do you think this deal's a joke with the coronavirus and all that? I didn't say that. And I'll explain more at the end of the service and about what we're going to do as a church, okay? What I am telling you is that people will allow fear to dominate them. I want you to listen. This is a true story that I read the other day. It's about a guy by the name of J.H. Zorthian and from years ago. And he was a great artist. Well, he read where a child had been accidentally killed in a traffic accident. A car had actually backed over this little boy. And it tore him up so bad, and he began to dwell on that, and he began to be so concerned about something like that happening to one of his three children that his worry turned to anxiety. His anxiety turned to fear, his fear turned to phobia, and he became so obsessed with the fear of something happening to one of his children, he couldn't even concentrate on work anymore. And finally, he gave in to fear. He canceled negotiations that he had on buying a house in California. And he went on a pursuit to find the perfect place, an intense pursuit, to find the perfect place for safety for his family. And he was so obsessed with it, his work, everything else, got laid aside. And he looked and looked and looked. And finally, he thought he found the perfect safe place for his family. It was on top of a mountain, 12 acres. It had a long winding road, narrow road going to it. And at each wind in the road, he put a sign up. said, caution, children at play. At the top of that road, at the clear spot where they're going to build the house before they ever built the house, he built a playground. And the best playground possible. And he built it in such a way that a car couldn't get within 50 foot of this playground. And then he began to build the house. He gathered various designs from different architects, and he built the safest house humanly possible. It was flat. He made sure it was flat. There was not one step in that house. No way the kids could fall down the stairs or fall off a step. Safety was placed before beauty. Finally, he built his garage. And he built the garage in such a way that only one automobile would fit in that garage, and that was his car. That was it. After he finished, he stood back with surveying his work. He was going over every inch of that place. Okay, this is safe, this is safe, this is safe. I got it all covered. Then he got to the garage. And he thought, oh no, I need to fix that. I need to turn around so that I never have to back out of my garage. The cars are always going straight. And so he called the contractor back out. The contractor come out. The next day he set the forms. The next day he began to pour concrete, but a thunderstorm come through. So they had to postpone the project. Now, if that storm had not come through that week, the concrete turnaround would have been completed. And if it had been completed, it would have been used the morning of February the 9th, 1947, but it was not used that morning. And that was the day his 18-month-old son squirmed loose from his older sister's grasp, run behind Dad's car as he was backing out of that garage, and he ran over his son and killed him instantly. You know, when I read that, 
I thought to myself, that is exactly how fear monopolizes and dominates if you give in to its evil clutches. Final thing is fear paralyzes. Fear can, can take so much control of you, you become so afraid to do anything that you don't do anything at all. You do nothing. Reminds me of a farmer. He was sitting on his porch smoking a pipe one evening. Stranger come by and he said, uh, well, sir, how's your, how's your uh, cotton do this year? Farmer said, I ain't planting cotton. I'm scared of the bow weevils. Man said, oh, okay. Well, how about your corn? He said, I ain't planting no corn. He said, I'm scared of the drought. He said, okay, well, what about your potatoes? He said, nope, didn't plant no taters either. I was scared of the tater bugs. The stranger said, well, sir, what did you plant? He said, I ain't plant nothing. I just played it safe. Played it safe. Now, listen to me. Many people are doing just what that farmer is doing. They're playing it safe. Not because, now, not playing it safe because they're exercising common sense. But they're playing it safe because they are paralyzed by fear right now. Paul refers to fear as the spirit of bondage in Romans 8, 13. Now, I want you to listen to me. Fear is a monster that wants to become your master. And it will make you its slave if you will let it. So let me say this. If you are right now living in the spirit of bondage, or you become a slave to that, that monstrous master, then you need to learn this great truth. Okay? And the truth is this, friend. There is freedom from fear through Jesus Christ. You know, over a hundred times in Scripture, you hear that sweet refrain from God, fear not, fear not. Now, if you're a Christian, I really want you to listen to me. God's given us a foolproof key that unlocks the iron gates of fear and frees us from that prison. God has given us three weapons, and they're contained in that simple verse I read a few moments ago. And with these weapons, we can slay this monster and conquer fear forever. First off, we have the power to fight fear. Look at verse 7 again, 2 Timothy 1. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Now listen to me. We have within us right now supernatural authority. Supernatural power that is superior to any foe, Christian, that we may face. I mean any foe. Even, even the coronavirus. Even the government or the devil himself. The power within us is greater than the power in the world. You say, you sure about that? Yeah, I am, because God's Word says so. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, He that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. Now, I want you to think about it. If God, our Father, is above us, and Jesus Christ, our Savior, is beside us, and the Holy Spirit is the force within us, then, Christian, why in the world should we ever fear anyone or anything? We all sing like the psalmist of old in Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? Christian, because of who Jesus Christ is and who we are in Him, we have power to fight fear. But I want you to look again. Verse 7, we have power to face fear. Because it says God's given us not only power, but love. Now how powerful is that? Love. Listen to me. We not only have the power to fight fear, we have the love of God to face fear. Now, how can the love of God help us face fear? 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, I want you to understand, that verse in 1 John 4.18, understand, that does not refer to our love for God, because your love, my love, our love is not perfect. That refers to God's love for us. 
Now get this, out of your head and into your heart. Let me read it out of the Living Translation. It says, we need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. Now, believer, listen to me. Let me give you one reason why you should never fear anything ever again. One reason. You know why? Because God loves you. Why would you fear anything? Now, if I know that God loves me, and I know He does, and I can know that that, uh, He'll never allow anything to happen to me, that He won't work out for my good and His glory. You say, well, what if you die? Praise the Lord. I can go to heaven where I need to be, where I'm designed to be. Paul, in this letter to Timothy, in chapter 4, verse 18, he reminded Timothy, he said, And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work. I want you to remember this difference between godly fear and ungodly fear. You ready? Listen to me. Ungodly fear is fear that God will allow something to hurt me. Godly fear is fear that I'll do something to hurt God. God also gives us third thing, the power to forget fear. Because look at verse 7 again. God has given us a sound mind. In other words, believer, listen to you, pastor. We not only have God's power and God's protection, thank God we have His perspective on things. His perspective. God has given us a discerning mind that we can see fear for what it really is. Folks, do you know that so much of our fear is unfounded and ungrounded? I mean, honestly. Somebody, somebody give a definition of fear. They define fear like this. F-E-A-R. They said false evidence which appears real. And I thought, isn't that true? You know, they did a study a few years ago with the University of Michigan. And they determined... They determined that 60% of our fears are totally unwanted, uh, unwarranted. 20% of our fears, they've already, they're already things that's come to pass and completely out of our control. Another 10% of our fears are so petty, they don't make any difference anyway. Of the remaining 10% of our fears, only 4 to 5% are real and justifiable. And of those, we can't do anything about half of them. So the conclusion was only about 2% of our fears are real. Now, having said all that I've said this morning, I want to share with you very quickly three simple steps on how to take these weapons, if you're a believer, listen to me, how to take the weapons God's given us and say goodbye to fear. Number one, the first thing, admit your fear. Now, I know you're going to hear a lot of people say, uh, Christians, they want to be super spiritual, you know, uh, super saintly, godly spiritual. I'm not, I'm never scared. I'm nothing. I'm never afeard of anything. Okay. You can try to lie to yourself, but you ain't lying to God. And you know what? I've been a pastor a long time. You ain't lied to me neither. Listen to me. It's okay to have some fear. Do you realize some of the greatest people in the Bible had fear? King David. King David, one time, he was captured by the Philistines. And in Psalm chapter 56, verse 3, he was talking to the Lord, praying. He said, whenever I'm afraid... I will trust you. So the great king of Israel admitted he was afraid. Listen to me, Christian. Pretending you're not afraid or pretending fear doesn't exist will not solve the problem. Never be ashamed to admit your fear, especially to God. God already knows. But number two, if you admit your fear after that, activate your faith. Because faith takes care of fear. Activate your faith. God's answer to fear is faith. You need to come to the point, Christian, where you say, no matter what befalls me, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to trust God. There's a, a, in a famous hotel in England above the mantel place, there's an inscription that says, Fear knocked at the door, faith answered, 
No one was there. I want you to listen to me. The person who trusts God completely is ready for anything and they don't fear, they fear nothing. Listen, you trust God completely, you don't have to fear that phone call. You don't have to fear that report that the doctor is going to give you, no matter what it says. The Bible tells us in Psalm 112 and verse 7, talking about the righteous, said, He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. What I'm saying is, believer, act upon your faith. Put your faith in the practice. Now, evidently, Timothy's fear had stopped him from doing certain things. And one of those things was sharing his faith. Because look at verse 8 of 2 Timothy 1. Paul tells him, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Apparently, Timothy had froze because of fear. He was he had fear because of the world around him, so he wasn't sharing Christ. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this while I'm here. Probably the greatest single reason that Christians don't share their faith is fear. Well, the only, only way to overcome fear of witnessing is to witness. And listen to me, believer. What better time to give witness to the Lord Jesus Christ than right now when the majority of the world around you is gripped by fear? And you know the one that says, don't fear. Don't fear. Finally, last thing you need to do is acknowledge your father. David said, he said, when I'm afraid, I'll trust God. Now, Isaiah said something similar, but I think Isaiah may have been a little more mature in his life than David was at this time. Because Isaiah 12, too, he says, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, he said... uh, Talking about fear, he said, the past you need not fear because it's forgiven you. The present you need not fear for it's provided for. And the future you need not fear for it is secured by the living power of Jesus Christ. I'm going to close with this story. I I, I read a story about an old uh, prison in British Columbia in Canada. When this prison was being demolished, workmen discovered something fascinating. Now, the doors of the prison, they were steel. The windows had iron bars on it. But the walls of the prison that they thought were just old rusted iron was actually nothing more than clapboard wood and clay that had been painted to look like iron. Yeah. Anybody could have pushed those walls down at any time. But none of the prisoners did. Why? Because they were convinced those walls were immovable. They were convinced there's nothing I can do about it. Friend, listen to me. Your fears may look like an impenetrable wall, but I'm going to tell you right now, the bulldozer of faith in Jesus Christ can push through them like cardboard. So here's what I want to do. Whether you're a believer or not, I want you to listen to this. I'm going to leave you with two words, and I've mentioned them a couple times. These words come from the very one who proved he had power over demons, over disaster, over depravity, over disease and death. And Jesus Christ said, fear not. Fear not. Friend, with Jesus, you can say goodbye to fear. If your focus, and I'm going to talk to believers, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to meet Him in just a few minutes. Because fear is going to consume you. It's going to take you, and fear is not the only thing. You need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do, Christian, if fear begins to well up within you, do you know why it is? Because just like Peter, you've taken your eyes off Jesus, off the Savior, and you're looking at the storm around you. I want to say it again. Jesus said, fear not.
Would you bow your heads, please? Brother, I was going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. If you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. The first step is for you to admit you're a sinner and realize that you need the salvation that He offers. And realize that He doesn't just offer you the best life in the hereafter. He offers you life that is more right here in the nasty here and now. He says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. You're tired of living in fear? You don't have to if you know Jesus. Father, I pray for those who need to make a decision this morning. They would have the courage to do so. And all this done is done for your glory, for the advancement of the kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. Would you stand, please?